0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Do The Work Podcast. My name is Sabrina and I am your host. Guys, I am amped for today. First of all, bonus episode we love bonus episodes and I'm committed to every month in this year in the month of or in the month of year, 2024 in the year of 2024 to give you guys an extra bonus episode every month now do you want more don't worry babes we're gonna give it because the new year is bringing courses which I'm going to have ready for Valentine's Day so for everybody we're gonna be able to support you and also going to be doing bonus content with tech guy and so we're gonna have a subscription where you get ad free and two to four bonus episodes a month where we're gonna have like live call-ins and live profiles reads and answering Q&As and listening to stories and doing all that fun and getting like some real one-on-one with me and tech guy to help you guys. So I'm amped for all of that. So stay tuned. So on today's very, very amazing bonus episode, we have Alexis Fernandez. And so she is a total babe. She's a neuroscientist, as well as the host of Do You Fucking Mind, the podcast, which I obviously love that name. And we, we got right into it, y'all. We got into like the neuroscience of self-love, imposter syndrome, how your mind and brain actually impacts your life and your love life, spiraling, rumination, closure, and all the things that happen to your brain when all of these things are happening. Because I think we want to all pretend like we're snowflakes, but when we understand like the actual brain and human psychology and how this works, then you can start to understand people better, including yourself. So guys, as always, thank you for everything. Please don't forget to, to rate the show. Please, please, please. If you're on Spotify, there's three dots at the top. Click it and that's it. If you're on Apple or anywhere else, you can just leave a review. It's the only way I can grow. It's how we can get better guests. I am gunning and manifesting for some biggies this year. So I need your help. Just share it with your friends. Listen to it to the end. Supporting our sponsors. Like all of these things are always that you can help. And so for that, I'm so grateful. Thank you guys for supporting the sponsors. And thank you for helping me keep this show for you guys for free. And without further ado, let's get right the fuck on into it. Love you guys. This episode is brought to you by software. Guys, that is my clothing line. I'm so excited because software and Do The Work are going to be doing an exclusive merch collab coming this year that's going to be different than anything you see on the on the software website. But until that day comes, you guys get 20% off software by using the code Do The Work. Now, what is software? It's a sustainable and locally made basics line that I started after my mom got sick. She went to the doctor with a headache. They found six brain aneurysms. My life fucking crumbled and I just devoted my life into being there for her and seeing what else the universe and God and whatever had for me and that's where I created software. It's sustainable. It's 100% USA made. The fabric, it's all non toxic. It's the highest quality modal yarn and uh, organic cotton that we could literally find. Everything is made right here in Los Angeles from our cut and sew, our fabric, our manufacturing, packaging, hang tags. Literally every single thing comes from LA. So, again, you guys get 20% off at wearsoftware.com using the code DO THE WORK. That's W E A R, soft W E A R. And the code is DO THE WORK. And, guys, I can't thank you enough for supporting a small local business. And why not? Get 20% off your next purchase and get oh so fucking cozy. Hi, Alexis. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And I'm so, so, so excited to have you here. And I just can't wait to introduce the audience to you because when I found you, I was like, fuck yes. And my favorite part is when I posted that you were going to be on, the amount of people saying, this is my dream collab. Oh my God, you guys together. I was like, I'm here for it. so 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 For good. anyone who doesn't know who you are, can you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and just give us a little bit more about your background? Yeah. So my name's Alexis
1: Fernandez. I have a podcast called Do You Fucking Mind. And it's all around psychology, neuroscience, mindset. And I actually started the podcast because I love being on a stage, like get me on a stage. I love to talk and I also have a passion for science and I thought I wanted to be an actor growing up. I was like, I'm going to be an actor when I was a teenager (laughs) and it was like, this was my dream and then it was like destroyed my soul slowly, like chipped away and while I was doing acting, I was um, studying at uni. I just thought "I I want to be stimulated. I'd love to learn and so I went to uni and I kind of just fell into doing psychology And in the first semester, there was this guest lecturer who was talking about the brain and neuroscience and neuroanatomy and plasticity. And I was fixated. I was like, this is unbelievable. So after that, I was like sprinting down to the lecturer before he left. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I love it so much. And he was like, yeah, change your major to cognitive neuroscience. So there's still a lot of psychology in it, but it's very heavy science based. So I did that. Then I spent a few years. Then I thought, oh, fuck it. After you graduate from uni, you can't do much with an undergraduate degree in, this, in science or in psychology. There's always like postgraduate studies. And I wasn't about that at the time. I still really wanted to like pursue acting. And I was a Pilates instructor and I was kind of uh, honestly like a bit of a gypsy through all my, my 20s. And then I was always pulled to study the brain again. So I went and did my master's in neuroscience years later, like for, there was a five year gap or a six year gap in between, did the masters. And that's where I would already given up acting by that point. And that's where I thought, okay, every time I talk about the brain, I get so excited. I need to funnel this energy into something. And so I thought I'll start a podcast because I can teach what I'm what I'm learning. And when you teach someone what you're learning, it actually helps consolidate the information better. So that's like a fun fact that if you ever want to know if you're learning something, teach it to someone else. If you can't do it, you haven't learned it. So I thought if I can teach people, I'm consolidating the information and I'm loving it. And I'm on a stage. I've got a microphone. I thought it just combines. It's the hobby that I need. And it just blew up because everyone, we were talking about topics that, that relates to everyone. We all have a brain. We can all do things to to help with our brain health our relationship with ourself is by far the most important one we're ever going to have and that starts with your relationship with your brain so i think everyone related everyone kind of took everything on board and, and shared it and it was all word of mouth so thanks to everyone who <laughs> shared it um
0: so that's how i started with the podcast yeah That's awesome. And I love that you and I are very similar, like for anyone who can't see, I was like fangirling because I was the same, like I I started my journey when I was 18, I moved to New York being like, I'm going to be an actor, thinking that I was going to be fulfilled by playing another part and the kind of same thing of like, just put me in front of people. And then when I started software and I gave up kind of same thing with the acting dream, it was like, this isn't for me, got into entrepreneurship and I was like, okay, this feels more, it's an alignment. And it's amazing how like every experience that we've had has brought us to where we are now, where- I'm sure you can relate like without the acting experience, how could we properly enunciate? How could we articulate? How would we be able to on the spot, come up with something? My improv classes like, and I think just <laughs> yes. sharing, right. Just sharing yeah. that experience alone shows that like to a lot of people, they could look at your life or my life and say, well, what a waste. And it's like, yeah. well, no, I look at it as what an incredible experience that brought me to where I'm at, because had I not gone through all that, maybe you wouldn't have been as comfortable grabbing a mic or maybe, I- you know things like that. But I actually, that is really interesting though. I Thank you for giving me that snippet that if you teach somebody something, you'll actually learn. Love that. I really (laughs) want to know, just kind of neuroscience, obviously studying the brain, Mm -hmm. but I was curious, what was something that you learned when you were in school about the, the brain or something that was shocking to you? That's actually somewhere I'd love to start. What was something where you're like, no shit?
1: I think the thing that's the most shocking is that, or the most surprising probably is there's certain people in the world and we've all met them, whether we know it or not, but who can literally create massive change, massive transformation for themselves overnight. Right? So, For a lot of people, it's this massive slog. I've got to make this change. I've got to chip away at it. I've got to try. Oh, I've regressed. Oh, uh, uh, and it's just this huge journey. But at the end of the day, regardless of how it's done, massive, massive, massive change can be created in your brain and you're able to redirect where your attention, focus, energy goes within your brain. Because whether you want to call it rewiring or plasticity, the point is that you are changing from what you used to do to what you can now do you can create you can become a completely different person with how you behave how you in how you respond how you react your instincts can change and you can do this through changing changing your thoughts, but also through behavioral interventions. And I always speak about, this is why it's so important to understand your brain because I always speak about how physical things you can do, not just thoughts, but physical things in your day can actually completely change how your brain operates, including like exercise, how you, the, the timing of the sun in your eyes, morning versus evening, um, meditation, uh, alone time. There's all these physical interventions that you can do That already will elevate your life exponentially. And I just found that really, really cool because I think a lot of people think that they're in a position where they're never going to be able to change. But change is so
0: possible. Change is actually inevitable. What I love about that is what sparked in me was just the other day, I was thinking, because like I was looking through my old journal. I don't know. I was just like, I was like trying to find something. And I saw like journal prompts from like a year or two plus ago where I was like, I can't do it, and I just thought everything for that I was reading was very glass half empty, very I'm oh. not good enough and I can't do it. No one's ever going to listen to me, and 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 the woe is me. And the reason I had kind of looked at it is because recently the other day someone had asked me, somebody literally asked me, they're like, is that glass full or empty? And I said it's half full, and it hit me, and I stopped, and I was like did the bitch just say that? I was like, did I just, did that came out of my mouth? I was like, did I, am I seeing things positively? And it hit me in that moment where I was like, change is possible. Now Mm -hmm. it took me years. I'm not the type of person that overnight, but once I, it's, I kind of look at it as like a wrinkle. Once I started to make a new wrinkle in my brain of like, hey, what about this thought? All of a sudden my brain was like, well, wait a minute, can we entertain this thought? Okay, if we start to entertain this thought, can we create a thought? So I'd love to know, I think, for people that are maybe new to all of this, like like you said, the people that really genuinely believe, like, I can't do that and how you could do it, I can't. How do you get started in that? Like, what are your tips or tricks on that? So the best thing that I have when it comes
1: to getting started with changing a thought, changing a belief, whatever it is, is you want to look at where you need to go from here to your ultimate goal as a ladder with multiple rungs in it. I think where a lot of people fall back on when it comes to goal setting and even when it comes to affirmations, when people... Because I've got a love-hate relationship with affirmations. I think they're really good when they're done properly. But I think if you're someone who has this – in like really ingrained negative belief about yourself and your abilities and very limited on what you think you can do. And someone's telling you to have an affirmation of money comes to me easily. I'm rich. And you're like, fuck that. I am not, I I'm struggling. I've struggled my whole life that you, then you're like, I'm a liar. I'm a liar. This doesn't feel right. And it's really, it's quite a frustrating feeling when affirmations really are based around a feeling that's going to make you feel better. That's the point of it. So I say, okay, let's strip it right back. And what is a statement that you can say to yourself That is neutral and believable because if you're starting from a position where you're saying, let's say I always get rejected. Let's say that's your belief. I always get rejected. Excuse me. So this then starts to change how you interact with people you are going to approach people completely differently based on the belief so you it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy even though you don't want it to be because you're thinking this person's going to reject me i'm going to have my walls up i'm going to uh, 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 and and you're nervous around them that your true essence cannot shine through so you're like this boring nervous person because you think they're going to reject you so you've got this belief. So instead of thinking everybody loves me, everyone's attracted to me, which doesn't feel right. You can start to neutralize that thought and say comments like this person doesn't know me yet. It could be it could be anything. You know. So that's pretty neutral. That 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 doesn't it's not exciting, it's not negative. This person doesn't know me. This person has I'm a clean slate right now. There's a clean slate. So you could start approaching it this way. Everyone who's around here is probably not thinking anything about me right now. So you, you start to new, and then you think, okay, yeah, it's true. It's true. People that are walking down the street probably aren't having comments in their head about me. They're not really thinking about me. They've got their own shit going on. Just like you probably don't think about every person you meet. And then the next, so you, now you're at that more neutral place. Then the next position is it's possible for me to have a good connection with somebody. It's possible. You know, I've got a friend here. We have a great time talking. I, had a great conversation with the barista today and then so you th- and then you think okay yep and then it's you'll be amazed at how many small positive interactions you start having with people then you take it up, and you just go up the rungs
0: until you really are magnetic and people are you know attract energy yeah 100 percent. you said that beautifully because like i i know for sure like when i was dating in my new york years like my 20s I had that mindset of like, I'm never going to find anybody and nobody's going to like me and every guy's going to leave me. And it was like, and, oh, you know, I don't want to waste my time and I need to know. And it's like, and what happened? I showed up differently. I didn't mm. date. Like, I'll never forget this one guy that I dated beginning of last year, 2022. I keep forgetting we're in 2024. So every time I say last year, you're like, didn't you have a boyfriend then? Yeah. I yes, I did. <laughs> so But when I was single, um, That there's this one guy, and I'll never forget, that was the first time I set a And this was like right after I'd set a boundary with my dad for the first time ever. My brain going, what the fuck is she doing? I can't, my nervous system, I can't keep her safe. And I remember standing up for myself and telling this guy to get the fuck out of my house. And I was like, I am done. And my friend looking at me after, and she's like, I've never seen this out of you. You're dating differently. And what started to happen was I took it less by changing how I showed up. I started to receive differently because then I started to have so many better experiences of people saying, wow, thank you for being honest, really appreciate it. all the best instead of getting ghosted and getting, you know, the rejection and feeling all of those things. And really, I think where that all started for me was similar to what you were saying. I'll never forget my therapist when she said, how are you? And I said, I'm okay. And she looked at me, and she goes, I'll take that. I'm okay with okay. It's good. Mm. We're at a kind of like you said, we're neutral. Yeah. And I think my issue with the affirmations and the, 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 like you said, I think in the right hands of like, I'm capable of doing this. Great. That's an affirmation I can speak to myself of like, I'm capable and I can get this done. But like you said, a part of me has to believe that I'm actually capable of doing this. And I think what happens with the affirmations is I'm like, no, 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 this doesn't mean you stand in front of your mirror and say, I'm a badass bitch and fucking put a face mask on. And that's all you need to do because (laughs) like your brain and your nervous system are going to be like, nah, she's full of shit. So I think it's important for us to normalize that starting with something small can be really impactful, like you said, but over time as we start. Now, question for you, is it true? Does it take 63 days for a... Uh, I think like a new pattern and habit to be formed. Can we dissect that a little bit more of like, so people have an understanding of like timeline? (laughs) So it actually is completely dependent on the individual. It's dependent Mm -hmm. on what it is that you're
1: doing Um, because all our brains are different. And I'm not going to stand here and say that it's just as easy for absolutely everyone. There are going to be people with much, a very different upbringing because you could have had an upbringing where you were primed to really love yourself and really believe that people in general are good. And then you could have the absolute opposite. So if you're from a lower starting position, of course it's going to be a different journey than for somebody else, but is change possible for everyone? Yes, it is. And so I do understand that we're all at a different starting point for sure. Um, And then of course things can knock you around. Like you could have started great, then had a really traumatic relationship where someone was just absolutely awful. And then you drop down. Then you've got to look at what is it that you're trying to change. If it's something that's so different to your lifestyle, that's where it becomes really, really difficult. So I think for a lot of people, when you're looking at change, you've got to ask yourself, does this fit into my lifestyle? And if it doesn't, am I willing to not have that thing or am I willing to alter my lifestyle? So an example, a really like, like, random example would be, let's say you are extremely social. You love a late night. You socialise and you love a cocktail with your friends. This is just, that brings you so much happiness. Then you decide, I'm going to get into competitive bodybuilding good luck because that doesn't fit into your lifestyle and it's possible. But if you're someone who's a homebody that doesn't drink alcohol, doesn't really like to have a late nights, doesn't like to socialize. And you say, I want to get into competitive bodybuilding. Your starting position is so much easier. So do do you know what I mean about like, of course it's possible for both people, but you've also got to say, yeah, that looks like a good idea, but does this fit into my lifestyle? And if it doesn't, is is the goal that needs to change or does my lifestyle need to change? And I think- When you can identify that thing, then it becomes a lot easier to then start making that permanent change. If you're, this is why a lot of people can't adhere to diets, for example. It's because it doesn't, it's not sustainable long term. A lot of things that we do for ourselves is not sustainable long term. So you've got to ask yourself what can I do? to make this thing long-term. And that's why it's so good to always start small. You need to make something so doable that it would be ridiculous not to do it. So for example, if you wanna say, I wanna start waking up at 5 a.m. but you normally wake up at 7 a.m., just wake up at 6.50 a.m., okay? 6.50 a.m., if you can do that for five days straight, Then you can do 6.40am and then, you know, obviously you can try at 5am, but obviously the people who set these goals, they're the ones that keep attempting and it fails, it fails, it fails, it fails. So You don't have to change your goal, but you've got to change how you get to your goal. You have to look at your track record and think I've set this same goal for the last five years in a row. Every New Year's, every birthday, every milestone event, I'm like, this is what I'm doing now. And then I look back and I've just not done it. It's not that you're not capable. It's that the parameters that you've set for yourself are just unrealistic. So I love setting huge goals for myself, but I have to break it down into – Things that I think, okay, this is very likely for me to adhere to. This is very possible for me to actually follow through with this thing. So you do bite-sized pieces, bite-sized pieces, and it sounds so boring, but that is how you do it because your brain is being primed, primed. primed. The brain loves repetition. When you can repeat something enough times, the brain's like, oh, right, that's what you want. Now put it into your subconscious mind. I'll now, I'll now outsource this job to the subconscious mind.
0: This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Guys, I know that therapy could be chosen anywhere, but it's so, so, so important, like choosing a right partner to choose the right therapist. And honestly, that's why I like BetterHelp. And the reasons being is because it's one, it's easy to use. It's virtual. So you could do this from your home. You don't need to go anywhere. And it is something that is more comfortable for a lot of people to at least seek help. It's a It's a start. On top of that, you can message your therapist at any time. You could at any point go to the top and choose new therapist. And I know that sometimes it might take a minute. And when you're dealing with insurance in and out, back and forth, it can become so frustrating. So at least if you're on one platform, what I also love is that you can message their customer service and they will actually help you find more practitioners in your area and really work with you so that at the very least you feel supported in every way while you're on this journey to finding the right therapist for you. So the exciting news is BetterHelp is giving our listeners 10% off your first month. So if you visit BetterHelp.com DTW, D as in dog, T as in Thomas, W as in woman, or do the work, if you will, you get 10% off your first month. So again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, as in PETA, dot com slash DTW. Guys, I can't wait to meet you in your journey, wherever you guys are, and I'm excited for you to start with BetterHelp. So if you're always thinking, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm going to fail. I always trip up. I'm a
1: failure. Then your brain's like, Oh, right. So that's what we need to think. Okay, cool. I'll that's now the the job of the subconscious mind. Your brain's not against you. It just does what you do enough times automatically.
0: hundred percent. You said that really well. Thank you. Yeah, You're like, that's kind of what I do. Um, But it's like, it brings me back to like the brain and the nervous system aren't designed to help you grow. They're designed to keep you safe. And it's like, so if I make a goal that is so outrageous and my brain is going, this bitch can't do it. And then my nervous system is like, absolutely not, ma'am. You have never even seen a healthy love and yet you think you're getting Ryan Reynolds. So it's like, what did I need to start with? I can show up on a date as myself. You know, it's like, I didn't need to go so heavily or like when I started going to the gym, I was such a lazy sack of shit. I Mm. was a six-year-old let loose in a grocery store. I, my sister's like, you know, she was the, the spin instructor that was pregnant the day she gave birth. And she had a 15 minute birth, no joke, a 15 or 20 minute birth, popped the kid out, went right back to teaching. And like, that was her. I was the person that the minute I lifted a weight, I was like, "Eh," and I hurt myself or whatever. So like you said, I was starting at a different point. And when I started to go, I wasn't looking going, I'm going to have JLo ass. That was my goal. The plan, yeah. though, the JLO lo ass that I wanted, okay, how I was doing it of binging, okay, well, that's not helping. Starving myself, that's not helping. But you know what'll help? Okay, so if I know that to get the J-Lo ass, I need to deadlift 500 pounds, whatever, I'm just throwing weights out. I need to deadlift yeah. 200 pounds. I need to hip thrust and do all that. So what I'm going to start with, just doing the move without a weight. Just to make sure that my body understands how it needs to move. And like you said, repetition. I keep doing that. I add weight. I add weight. I add weight. Eventually, we get to our goal. But like healing, like the brain, you have to rip some muscles. We have to go through some discomfort Mm -hmm. to get us there. And I think that kind of segues me right into like, you know, a lot of the listeners, myself included, very anxious. And I think when we think about creating a new neural pathway, like it's so ingrained in that deep childhood you know, like the, the, the core beliefs, like you said, if somebody had a really secure upbringing, well, yeah, they're probably not going to struggle with dating as much as somebody who has always been told that they're a piece of shit and they are not worth anything. Good luck. Okay. So I think for that type of like that kind of the ruminating, the spiraling thoughts I'd love, cause I know prefrontal cortex, and then you go into anxious brain, you kind of lose it. But can we talk brain now of spiraling anxious thought ruminating, like what's happening in your brain Okay,
1: so this is really interesting. So, with them, okay, there's
0: so oh, I could like, I to know talk there's about. so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, the brain is you've got this the old primitive brain, and then the further you move out in the brain to the very outer layers is the newer and more modern part of the brain. So, at the very surface of the brain, you've got something called the neocortex, which is where all the really high functioning, higher you know, processing goes down. In the very, very centre of the brain is all survival things, breathing, heart rate, all of that in the brainstem, all of that. That's very primitive. That's pretty much what every mammal has. All our emotions and especially our fear-based centres is in the middle area of the brain. It's called the amygdala and the limbic system and all of that. And this is all to do with emotions, flight, fright, freeze, fawn, all of that. When you are feeling anxious or stressed, that part of the brain is absolutely taking over. It's basically trying to protect you. It's trying to guard you. It's trying to get you to basically limit the amount of, you know, potential, you know, like, um like threats, basically. When you're really relaxed, the, the prefrontal cortex part of the brain, which is your, you know, executive function, your higher order thinking, all of that, that part of the brain becomes really active. The really interesting thing is the more stressed you are, the less those two brain centers can communicate with each other. Because the point is how do I get them talking to each other? Because in order to calm down, you need your quote unquote logic, your logical brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, that new part of the brain to talk to the emotional centers of the brain. If you are highly stressed and unaware of, you know, like I can talk myself down. I'm not being present or whatever. If you're highly stressed, you're you're not having that communication. They're, they're not talking to each other at all. And you're this is where ruminating, spiraling, predicting other people's thoughts, you th- you know, your mind reading, all of that goes down. There's something, and I can't remember who um, coined this term, a psychologist, but it's called name it to tame it. And the simple act of naming your emotion whatever it is fear anxiety and then understanding when that emotion started or where it came from that simple act switches on the logical part of your the prefrontal cortex and it gets it just that alone just gets it talking to your amygdala gets it talking to your emotional centers and it just just shedding light starts to calm it down it's kind of like you can't have Darkness when there's light present, it's kind of that kind of thing. It just can't grow anymore, so you just stagnate it, and it's you've just shed a light on it. Another thing that really, really helps to connect these two centers together is, of course, exercises like breathing, uh, meditation is huge to, to increase the connectivity between those two regions. Like massive exercise, unbelievable to get those two centers um talking to each other they say that running is really good for that i don't know if it's superior to the other kinds but when if anyone here who listens runs we all know the feeling of the runner's high which is this like sense of calm throughout the whole brain and euphoria but anything that you can do that starts getting these two brain regions talking is going to stop the spiraling and the ruminating in that moment. And the more you do it, the shorter these ruminating moments become and they become smaller and smaller. Cause what people need to understand, what highly anxious people need to understand is that anxiety occurs in every single human being, unless you don't have an amygdala, which is terrible because you need to have fear in your life. So, Everyone has it. So it's not about eliminating anxiety. It's not about eliminating these emotions. It's about reducing them to a very manageable level. Because even the people that you think, fuck, that person's killing it. They they, they never get stressed. They never, they get these emotions. They just handle them in the moment. You I know? Understand.
0: Oh, I'm sure you get this all the time. Like, how do you do it? Or like, I get to people and they're like, you're so secure. Were you ever anxious? And I'm like, you know, the reason I know your thoughts is because I had those thoughts. I was yeah. that girl that was, it like, it almost kind of scares me when I get triggered where my brain will turn on, like how it goes from really logical. This all makes sense. I'm here having a full conversation and I try to compare it to like, okay, if a tiger walked up, do you think you're still, do you think your brain's still going to be like, Hey, she's still hungry. Don't forget. She's up. Oh, yep. your brain's gonna be like, I got to keep her safe. I got to keep her safe. And yeah. understanding, like, it's so fun because you know, when like you learn these tools and techniques and stuff, but then when hearing you be like, Hey, so this has actually been scientifically studied. It's like, Oh, sweet. So like actually sitting and trying to name your emotion. There's a reason that we do that. It's not just woo woo, but I do have a question. I've been told, and I'm curious from the brain, obviously nervous system and the brain are two different things, but meditation, because I've always Mm -hmm. been told when you're dysregulated, when you're in that ruminating and spiraling, that it's not good to meditate because you can't focus, but I'd love to know Is that, like, should you regulate first and then try to meditate? Can your brain bypass that? Like, you know how it is. Sometimes you're so in your thoughts that just trying to sit with it feels like you're going to go insane. I'd love people to have a tool or be able to, like, actually do this to where they can handle it.
1: Yeah. So I agree with that as well. I think if you're in an extremely heightened state, meditating, sometimes is just not the thing for you in that moment. Meditating is a tool that you should be doing on a daily basis, and then it will help you with these moments when they arise. But when you're in this crazy state, now some people can do it, but a lot of people can't, especially if they're not used to meditating. And it's very, it almost, puts you in this state where you're hyper fixating on that thing because you're trying not to. And then this idea of like, I'm trying not to think about it, but because I'm trying not to think about it, now think about it more. And it's very overwhelming. So what I recommend that people do when they're in that really heightened state is switch to a distracting task that is very um, neutral. Social media is not it, okay? That is not a neutral, you know, something that's going to just distract you but not incite any kind of emotion whatsoever. And I remember when I went through like this awful breakup that I thought would destroy my soul, I probably spent, I can't tell you how many hours playing Sudoku and solitaire because it would, it would use up enough of my attention that it took the edge off. I would still feel a bit like my heart rate would go down and I'm there just doing a puzzle. puzzle. I'm like, okay, the nine goes here. And it was amazing that just switching yourself to a, like you you could do a puzzle, you could do, but it's, it's a task that requires focus, concentration, but it's not so difficult that it's annoying. And it also has, there's no emotion behind it. So Watching a movie, watching social media, engaging, that is too, um, it can incite way too many emotions. So neutralise, neutralise, neutralise. And it has to be semi-distracting as well. So I think little games like that are really, really good. Um, And yeah, for me, that was my tool to like, take the edge of my pain and it worked almost every single time. Didn't take the pain away completely, but I was able to be like, okay, now I can function so much better. Now I can now go and do that task. I can now leave the house. I can start working without walking into work, crying, you know? So it's these little tools that you do. And then once you've talked yourself off that that emotional ledge, then it's a lot easier to then think, okay, now I can do some breathing things to regulate. You know, now you can... Take a few deep breaths, shake it out. Another really good tool is to physically move your body because your body um, interprets a lot of emotions in the same way. Like your physical symptoms for anxiety is the same as excitement. Yeah. So a really good thing that you can do, or the same as like when you're exhausted after a workout, sometimes that feeling could feel like, you know, so if, if I've got this all this energy, anxious energy, 100% I'm doing burpees, star jumps, jumping yeah. up and down, And you actually shake off that energy. If you pay attention to animals in the wild, if they're gearing up to have a fight and the fight doesn't happen, the animal, the bird, the whatever is shaking, shaking, shaking shaking all that energy off. We have to do the same thing. You have to physically shake it off. Because if you have like this wave of anxiety and then you just sit there in stillness, it's horrible. That energy is not going anywhere, but staying in you
0: you know oh yeah well this way energy and motion emotions now let me preface if you're gonna do jumping please wear your goddamn sneakers because that's how i broke my foot <laughs> i was oh the, God, i God. was literally yes i was recording a video to show what to do when you're anxious do the shakes oh. literally shake it out and i was wearing socks and i had he- I like in pilates i heard my foot like make a noise and i was like huh but it felt fine so i was like okay i'm fine literally i hop off the floor by a foot you know like not even just jumping yeah. and it's on fucking video i break my foot i fall to the floor and I I scream. And to this day, my partner, he's like, so when are we posting it? And I'm like, fuck you. Okay. We are not posting this. How to break your foot. <laughs> exactly. Oh when God. you're regular. And I was like, we're not doing that. But the point being is like, I'll do that. Sometimes even just like, I need to move my energy. I'll punch the air. Like, you know, you get a troll on the internet. That's a fucking asshole. And I'm like, yeah. I pretend I'm fighting them or doing something. And I love even just like naming or sometimes I'll even stop and I'll be like, the tree is green in front of me just mm-hmm. to bring myself back to the moment I'm in. But I actually was you, you made a comment about like when you were going through the breakup and I think. I think what a lot of people struggle with that I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on is like the narrative, you know, just that 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 narrative that plays like my brother calls them the screw tapes, like the book or whatever. But I'd love to learn a little bit more brain wise, like, obviously, we know when you're triggered, you're dysregulated, things like that. But I think for a lot of people they just have this narrative that plays and those core beliefs that come over and over again. And it's like, above what we talked about, is there anything, especially after a breakup or when people are dealing with things to be able to take control over the narrative? Like, is it naming it? Like what, what can it's we do about thing. that? Yeah. There's a lot that you can do because obviously
1: when you go through a breakup, especially when you had no control over the situation and it's not at all what you wanted. um, <clears throat> Cause it's very different when you, when you, <clears throat> sorry, when you, instigate the breakup, a big part of you understands that it's the right thing that needs to be done. And so it's a very different process, still painful, but very different to the rug was ripped underneath you. The love of your life has just left you and there's nothing you can do about it. No matter what you do, say you could beg, plea, they never want you back. That position is like the ultimate feeling of powerlessness. And that is the, the one of the worst emotions you can feel almost worse than fear. Like powerlessness makes you just, you have no motivation. You have no drive. You have, there's nothing that you don't even want to get out of bed. Like you're just so, you're so sad and you have no control over the situation. Another thing is that we go through this feeling of abandonment. It's someone that you love and this person you believe loved you. So the first thing you've got to do is it's number one is have a moment to grieve and mourn and be kind to yourself because you are going through these really horrible emotions and they're real, you know, feeling genuinely abandoned by the love of your life is a real feeling. And it's not something that you just want to, a lot of people, you know, they'll do all these band aid things. They'll, you know, get under someone to get over someone, that kind of thing, which never worked for me. And I tried and it just didn't work. And, you know, (laughs) I was like, I hung my whole hat up a long time ago, but
0: yes, I tried that too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, like you give that a go and and it maybe it's exciting in the moment but it doesn't really, you know, you're not getting to the bottom of it. So I think yeah. one of the things that you've got to look at is acknowledge that you have this lack of control and that that is what it actually is because a lot of people then will start to fixate. They'll try and get control by following their um, ex on Instagram, watching all their stories. And that's their version of regaining some level of control. I need to stalk my ex. I need to see what they're doing. Who's their dad? You tell your friends, oh, that that person's blocked me. Can you now follow this person? Which is the, the perfect recipe to create a sad situation to a very anxious situation. So you've got to, if someone if you've broken up, number one is don't try and find control in areas where you never actually will get control. Never yeah. do that to I- yourself because you will just bring on more anxiety. Control comes in the things that only have to do with you. The only things you can really control in your life are y- anything that directly involves yourself, you know, your actions, your, your habits, your routines, your behaviors, all of that. So what I recommend is, yeah, try not to obviously control anything that's going on there you've got to remove all of that and another big thing that happens is we fall into this need for closure which is a huge trick that we we play on ourselves because I did this to myself this was like my downfall when I had the breakup because I was in this relationship for three and a half years I believed he was the love of my life now I'm like I need to write him a thank you card like a thrill that yeah. <laughs> At the time, it was so horrible. And he, one day, and we we didn't have a big argument, nothing. He was amazing. He treated me so well. And one day he's like, I just, I I don't want to be with you. I'm done. I don't, I don't love you how I should. I'm done. And we never spoke again. It was like, it was like a death. It was so horrible. I just could not wrap my head around it. And my main thing, the thing that I told myself again and again, and I tell everyone, I was almost sick of my own voice, but was I didn't get closure. I need an answer. Why? What did I do wrong? So I'll know how to do it. And I had all these, I need closure, I need closure. And because I was so fixated on closure, I wasn't paying attention to like, what do I need to heal right now? What do I need for myself so I can feel good? I was, everything was about him and getting closure. And then I realized really, there's nothing he can really say that can make, can change what happened, you know? So I'm the only one that can actually give myself the closure here, really, because someone can give you all the reasons and then you're going to look for more reasons. And then you're going to think of this. Then you're going to think of that. Then you think, well, like if they say, oh, it's because you did this, then you're going to go insane being like, well, what would have happened if I never did that thing? And what? You just go insane. At the end of the day, you're just two people doing the best you can existing in this world. So whether you get the closure or not, it's not going to change the outcome. So you have to think the only person who can give me closure is me. Take the power back. why are you giving the power of your healing to the person that caused your heartbreak? It's crazy. Yeah. you know so take the power back and the more you take these little moments of I'm taking the power back here I'm taking you don't feel completely disempowered. you don't feel hopeless and you start being like, okay, I've got some hope here. I just did that for myself. I just feel a little and then before you know it, you start to build yourself back up again without
0: needing them. You're doing it for yourself. 100%. I remember when I went through like my major breakup, implementing routines, doing things, showing up for myself every single day. All right, 10 minutes for myself. I, that was how I started. Small, 10 minutes. That's how I'm like, okay, you want to reconnect yourself? Read 10 pages of a book. Yeah. Just yeah. do something. And I think you're 100%. The closure thing... <sighs> It just drives me insane because typically like anytime if I work with anybody or I talk to anybody, the first thing when they come to me with why I'm like, I'm not them. Shut it down. Like, stop asking me. Why did they do this? Here's my thing. What about that felt familiar? I always bring it back. Why did they do this? What about it felt comfortable for you? Why'd you allow it? Okay. You don't have an answer for that either. Right. So it's like us asking why. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm a big proponent of you create your own closure because if somebody broke it off with me and I don't understand why, what I am going to understand is, well, they've made a decision not to be with me. So I don't want to pursue people that are unavailable. I don't want to pursue people that don't want to be with me. I don't want to pursue people. So if somebody has broken it off with me, maybe I can't understand their why because I don't understand their traumas. I don't understand what's going on. Maybe they met somebody else. Maybe it doesn't really matter. What matters is this person doesn't want to be with me. Great. That's all I needed to know. That was the information that I needed to gather from them. And I think oftentimes, like you said, closure, what it does is it takes you further away from you and further away from the actual issue. And it helps you deflect and focus on somebody else's issues because, hey, if I can focus on them, well, then maybe I'll be fixed and in return. Yeah. But the, uh, the whole issue is you're not broken, so there's nothing to fix. But on the contrary, if you could turn it back, like I have one of my clients and I love him to pieces. And after we'll talk, all he ever says is I'm just really confused. I'm just still super confused. And I think when I hear that, and somebody actually asked this question, so it's kind of segueing into it, is like, you don't trust yourself. You know, you don't trust. Like, if you're really confused, it's like, what's confusing about this? Like, we've gone over it. You know the information. You're confused because it's not what you want. Your brain is like, no, I'm confused. I'm confused. And that kind of reminds me of the closure thing. But I think- Somebody had asked this and I'd love to hear your thoughts. How do you trust your brain or your thoughts when you are in a sad state? So when you are confused or you are this or body image, I look like a, I look like shit or whatever. How can you trust your brain if you say, but no, I'll be okay. You know, or like, it'll all be all right. What are things or tools or ways that people can grow to start trusting themselves a little bit more, especially their brain? This episode is brought to you by Lumi. Y'all, I struggled for years. I was smelling like a homeless person out there. And of course, when you're dating, you want to feel your best. You want to feel super confident. And that is why Lumi deodorant is seriously my favorite. First off, it's whole body deodorant, which is amazing. So it's not just for one gender or not. Lumi could, is actually safe anywhere on the body. So think pits, under boobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, all of it. All of it you can protect. It's baking soda free and paraben free. It's pH balanced. So you can use it below the belt. Oh, and I just love the different scents and what they have to offer. And I love the product in general. It's so easy to use. There are so many different products that you could use depending like we take the wipes on our hikes with us because sometimes we smell a little gross. And if we're going to go get lunch after a hike, we use the wipes quickly. Bam, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. And we are out there on the road. So guys, you can control body odor from anywhere with Lumi deodorant. And the best news is Lumi is giving you $5 off your starter pack. That's over 40% off. You heard right with the code DO THE WORK. So if you go to Lume deodorant, L U M E, deodorant.com and use the code DO THE WORK, you get $5 off your starter pack. And of course, the link will be in the show notes. But guys, I can't wait for you to feel your best and get out there in the world and have Lumi Deodorant by your side. Well, you pretty much like when you said that, you said
1: how people can grow to trust themselves. Everything when it comes to starting to trust yourself is doing things in your life that equal growth. When you start doing, and it's got to be for you, okay? You've got to do something that is for yourself where you are growing. And it doesn't have to be this philanthropic, crazy, which it, it can be something super basic, but anything where you can achieve growth and you notice yourself start to evolve is unbelievable in how you then begin to trust yourself yeah. because it's it's all it all ties into this relationship with yourself and self-love and all of that but if you're in a situation where for example here's an example if you are in a situation where someone's broken your heart your friends are all you know hitting all these milestones that you're not hitting. It kind of feels like you're here and the world is passing you by. And that's what I hear a lot. A lot of people who are either heartbroken or they don't know what to do with their careers or they don't, they're do not they stuck. They're like, everyone's passing me by and I'm falling behind. And what I always think and what I always say to people is that's because you're Change is inevitable. Everyone's going to evolve and change and evolve and change. The same as why you don't understand why someone broke up with you. Most of the time, it's because we can't get into someone's head. No one thinks the way we think. We don't think how anyone else thinks. They're going through their own shit. And a lot of the time, it's a very personal decision to leave someone a lot of the time because they were with you for long enough. They obviously liked you at some point. They've changed. So they've evolved onto the next thing. So when you're unsure about yourself, you've got to ask yourself, how am I actually evolving? And am I? Because if I'm in this uncomfortable position, it's not because I'm not good enough. It's because I'm ready to evolve into the next stage. If I feel uncomfortable, if I feel like, oh, I'm not happy with this or I'm confused, it's because it's me getting pushed into what needs to be the next stage of my life. So my dad says this thing to me and it's so brilliant. And he said it once when I was like, do I travel overseas? I'm still so heartbroken. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And he said, Alexis, you have to chase change. Don't let change chase you. And it's so true because a lot of people sit in this place where all these horrible things are happening to them, things that they can't control. They got fired. they this, they that. And because they're not, they don't feel like they can take a leap of faith or they can risk something. Change is chasing them and they feel stuck and the world is passing them by. So you've got to, split the narrative. And you've got to think, okay, what am I going to do to create some change in my life? What am I going to do? You can, this is why people cut their hair after a breakup. I'm all for it. Because <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, <clears throat> you're drawing a line in the sand and you're like, I am changing. And it's brilliant. It's so good. The psychology of cutting your hair after I love it and change your style, change, start doing things superficially. And when you're okay with the superficial things, they're like, I can start doing that internally as well. You know, Change your routine, change where you work out, change, start to create all these changes in your life for yourself, where you're noticing growth, where you're noticing improvement, where you're noticing, you know, an evolution of the self and you'll be so much surer of yourself because... When you fixate on things that are superficial, like how I look, how this person treated me, how this, how that, it's all outside of you. Again, it's things you can't control. Whereas the number one thing that you can control and that will always feel good is something you can earn. And that's growth. That's something you can learn. Earn. Focus on things you can earn because you, if you get something that's given to you You know, you can't, you you don't want to buy it, borrow it, steal it. Like if you earn something, it can never be taken away. And that's where you start to build up who you are. And you can do that as far as emotional intelligence, as far as like a book smart, as far as studying something, as far as um, experiences, anything, but earn it. And that's where you'll stop relying on people for things. And you'll start to gravitate to people for connection instead. And that's where you start improving your relationships. 100%.
0: 100%. And that kind of leads us into like the last thing I even wanted to talk about, imposter syndrome, because it's like, I know, personally, everything I've done, and I, I'm not like super woo woo. So when I say certain things, you know, and it kind of hurts you to say it, but like, I outgrew my container. Okay, I, that's it. Like, I outgrew the space that I was in. And Every time I've leveled up or I've tried or I've done anything, and like you said it earlier, any person that's out there in the world experiences anxiety. And so like when people look at me like, how did you grow into what you've grown? And it's like, I was a girl that had nothing. I was a girl scared to put myself out there, to do all of these things, to create a TikTok, to create a podcast, to create a clothing line, to create all of these things. I was fucking terrified. But I knew if I stay in the same space, I'm just going to keep taking up the same space that I've been taking. But if I try to push myself to do something unique, May I, would I fail? I could, or I could flop. I don't see it as a failure because at least I fucking tried, but yeah, but you're still I, you and you're still there. You know Exactly. And it's like, I think people even now they'll look at me and say, oh, well you must be, everything's great. You have your partner and you have your career. It's like, and do you think I'm not scared about what tomorrow's going to bring? And do you think that I'm not always worried about today was good, but what about tomorrow? And it's like, but what I personally had to learn about at least imposter syndrome for myself was one that everybody goes through it. That Mm -hmm. when I got into my, and it's not just career, when I got into my relationship, I was fucking terrified. I had never been in a healthy or secure relationship. I've never been able to express myself and to articulate things and to share things. But what happened was I tried and my, my body, I trusted myself. Because I've done so much work on myself to come back home to myself, to listen, to understand, to be in my body, to know what's going on, to learn and to evolve and to also drop my fucking ego. Because Mm. I know as well as you do, you could be teaching me – you have taught me a thousand things in this conversation. Maybe I knew, maybe I didn't. doesn't really matter. But I am humble enough to say, hey, this is new for me. I'd love to Mm. learn more. Can you share – Versus so ego of, well, I should know this and oh, I should yeah. be doing that. And so I think I, I would love to kind of talk a little bit about imposter syndrome. Maybe it's the same fucking tools. But I think for anybody out there that like you, would say, you're going into something new, trying something different, experimenting with something. How can people feel a little bit more supported? Because I know not everyone's going to be me. And me is the, I'm a glutton for punishment. And I grew up with a father that always told me I'm not shit and always humbled me down. And my family always telling me that you got you to work, you got to work. So for me to be arrogant is not fucking possible because I'm my own worst enemy. But I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they worry, I don't want to become a narcissist. I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be all that. But it's like, how can you, I guess- How can you be comfortable with the ebbs and flows? How can you be cognizant that going into something new is going to require you to get new skills, to learn? When I went to the gym, I was fucking terrified of being in the gym at Gold's with all these big bodybuilders until I came in and I learned how to do it. And then I was showing them up. Like, obviously I wasn't lifting what they were lifting, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I think- We all experience it, but I'd love to kind of hear any like last bit of thoughts or anything that maybe is coming to mind as far as imposter syndrome. I think because I think in dating it really is a big part. People that were super anxious coming insecure could feel on four like feel foreign. How can we support people like that? Or how can they support yeah. themselves? Totally. So
1: when you're feeling imposter syndrome, and I think like most I mean, surely there's some that don't, but most people do feel this in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, very often about like career people feel it, but then you can, of course, feel it in every area of your life, you know. Totally. Uh, you know how, like, Confidence is a huge one. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the really good ways to get around imposter syndrome is you've got to look at the people who you think are doing it right, who you think, because when we experience imposter syndrome, it's based on a comparison to something, to some benchmark, right? It's not this arbitrary feeling out of the blue. You're basing it on a benchmark. You're either trying to be as good as your peers or you're trying to get to this level, you know, as a podcaster or as a TikToker, you know. And so when you start to feel imposter syndrome, it's because there's a sense of comparison going on. And I think that comparison can be used as a very good tool if you acknowledge it and do something about it. A lot of the time, we'll compare ourselves to other people. And because we're not hitting the mark, or we think, wait a minute, they're doing way better than me, but I've succeeded a bit more. So I shouldn't be here. So I'm a fraud. So, and then, you know, so, but it's all around comparison. So when you can identify who are you comparing yourself to, number one. And then the next thing is, how can I create some form of connection instead of competition with these people that I'm comparing myself to? So, for example, this is an example that I've used on my podcast before. If you're someone who you're dating this new guy, you're a woman dating a guy and he's got some girlfriends, and this is really common. People get really jealous of the new guy's girlfriends. They're like, I'm really jealous of these girls. They're this, they're that, or whatever. You can feel this animosity because you've not made a connection. The moment you start to reach out to these girls and say, hey, I really like that outfit. I really, hey, this is cool. Hey, you'll be amazed at how not everyone Because there's going to be assholes and that's just life. But you'll be amazed how in general people will take the olive branch and they will strengthen that connection. It's amazing. Sometimes I'll look at someone and I'll be like, oh, like when I used to be a Pilates instructor, like the coolest, hottest trainer would come in. And instead of being like, she's my competition, I'd be like, hey, let's, you know, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's film a workout together. Let's whatever. And before we knew it, we were like great mates and we were collaborating, collaborating, collaborating. The same goes for in my career. If there's podcasters that I'm like, oh, wow, that's so, you know, I'll try and collaborate with them. You know, it's any person in your life that you deem a competition, ask yourself, can I turn this around into a collaboration? And not as in like a professional collaboration where I'm talking about. Can you bring your minds together? Can you have a connection in some way, shape or form? Can you turn this stranger into a friend? And even if you can't access them because they're too high up and there's no way of contacting this person, what can you learn about this person that makes them more human for you to be like, oh, like I'm learning so much about you on a human level. At the end of the day, we're all humans. We all have emotions, the same emotions that you're having. And when you can see them for that, you're able to celebrate other people's wins without taking away from your wins. You're able to, you know, this is, that's one of the best things that I've learned instead of being like, it's me or you that's going to win, but we both can't win to then realizing that's not the case at all, at all. And ironically, the more you celebrate other people's successes and wins, the more I win. I used to look at it the other way around, maybe because we were in acting and audition, like one person gets the roles. Maybe it's because of that. I don't know. But in general, now I look at it as when I'm feeling, and I've had bouts of imposter syndrome in my podcasting career. And when I feel that, I think, wait, 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 like strip it back. Why am I feeling this? Who am I comparing myself to? Where is that coming from? Are they even like me? No, they're completely different. So instead of, why can't I just appreciate what this person has to offer, learn from them, but I'm not like them anyway. So I've got to lean into what I do, you know, and that's, I hope that answered your question, but that's kind of how I would approach these feelings of imposter syndrome.
0: Totally. I mean, my mom has always said that. She's like, I don't want you to feel jealous because jealousy implies that you don't think that you could do it. If you think you're (laughs) jealous, I'm jealous of her. Well, so yeah. you don't think that you can do what she's doing. Oh, well, okay. Well, of course I can. And so my mom was like, you can be envious. She's like, you could be inspired. I want you to be inspired by somebody. Wow. Look how incredible. But it's kind of, it's really interesting. It's true. Like when I started the podcast, I, the reason I think I didn't have a lot of imposter syndrome was because I didn't really look at anybody else. I really mm. stayed in my own lane and I was like, all right, bitch, you got the mic, fucking record. You know, like you look at other people just to say, okay, this is how they market. Got it. Oh, this is the website they use. Okay, cool. Oddly. I can. Inspiration. I'm utilizing that, and it's true. Like when I would reach out to certain people and be like, "Hey, would love to collapse. Some people are so open arms, and other people, because hmm. you're like, "Oh, you're insecure." You see, yes. the old yeah. me would have gone into, "What did I do wrong? Am I not? Do they not like me?" Instead, it's like, "Are you threatened? Do you not? You do you not see that we can build a longer table, not a higher fence?" And so I did. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I wish we had more time, and I would dive into jealousy and stuff. But for now. I'm just so excited. Alexis, thank you so fucking much for coming on the podcast, for sharing so much wisdom. I can't wait for us to swap. This is what we talk about collaboration. It's I know, like I know. I
1: know. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And when I saw your um TikTok, I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. I love it so much. I'm so excited. I can't-, I can't wait. So for anybody, how can they find you? Everything will be in the show notes in general. But how can people find you, work with you, listen to you, all the fun stuff.
1: Yeah. So my podcast is, do you fucking mind? Um, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Alexis Predez P-R-E-D-E-Z. It's like a mix of my surnames and what else? I've Got a website. You got a book. I've got a book. So my book is, I've got two books. I've got Be Bold and the Neuroscience of Self-Love.
0: Yes. And, Sweet. That's- and are they on Amazon in the States? Mm, that's
1: a very good question. I've had a few people struggle to get copies of it,
0: but we are looking at like
1: oh. bumping up distribution in the U S. So sweet. Stay okay. Cheap. So when
0: this episode comes out very soon in the next few days, but I will work with you directly to get links for anybody because uh, obviously we have people all around the world, but just specifically for anyone in the States, I add to the Amazon group, but nonetheless, Alexis, thank, thank you me. so much. I can't wait for us to continue to grow, to keep doing more. And I'm just so grateful for you being on the podcast. So thank,
1: thank you. you so much. Thank you for having me. I loved that talk.